You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here on Friday, hope it's a payday for you. It's been a busy week, man. Been a really busy week. Got some big news today we're going to talk about, and uh, some negative things have happened this week too, man. And um, listen, I hate to get the show off on a somber note, but man, that's how life is sometimes, right? Man, we just found out yesterday we lost Johnny Cooks. And, uh, you know, for those of you that, you know, you young bucks perhaps don't appreciate, uh, you know, maybe due to your age, it's not disrespect, right? I mean, you know, it's just reality of life, but uh, Johnny Cooks, one of the greatest players to ever play at Mississippi State in any sport. He was the number two pick in the draft for the Indianapolis Colts. He was on that great Mississippi State team to beat number one Alabama back in 1980. An absolute legend. Was still very plugged in with Mississippi State Athletics when he was in town. You could find him at times over at uh, the Humphrey Coliseum pulling for the basketball Bulldogs. Johnny is an icon of Mississippi State sports. And uh, Johnny has been ill for some time. We've kind of watched that. You know, it's one of those things, man, when you, it's a shame we all got to get old. It's a good thing most of us are good looking, but uh, man, you hated it, you know, because Johnny was such an incredible athlete and uh, had some complications related to diabetes. And it was a very, very sad undertaking. It sure was. And um, Johnny, an amazing man, and I had a chance to, to spend some time with him over the last few years at some M-Club events. And even though that it had been uh, forever and a day since he played, the smile on his face when he'd be around his teammates is something that I'll always remember. That's to Johnny Cooks that I choose to remember. You know, watching him walk up to John Bond and hug Rob Fassmeyer and people like that. And, and, and I think of Glenn Collins and people like that today that uh, were so incredibly close to Johnny. And so it is a sad day in that respect, but we do know that Johnny is no longer in any pain, and uh, we hope to see him on the other side. And just as we're dealing with that negative news, we find out this morning, while she wasn't a longtime Bulldog, she did uh, share the path with us for a while, one of the most decorated and accomplished women's basketball players in the history of the game Former Mississippi State women's coach Nikki McCray-Penson passed away this morning after a bout with cancer. And uh, one of the things that I want to say, I want to be respectful to everybody today, but there were a lot of people, a lot of people when she resigned to deal with her health issues, people doubted that. And I can only begin to imagine how you feel today. Maybe you don't feel bad at all, but you should. You should. Uh, Nikki McCray-Penson, 
you know, on paper was an amazing hire. And uh, one of the reasons that, you know, that she came here is because of the fact that we had done such a great job building a program under Coach Vic Schaefer. Things didn't work out, right? But there are so many things that are bigger than sports, and this is one of them. And uh, our thoughts and prayers are with the Cooks family today and all of his teammates and certainly uh, the family of Nikki McRae-Penson. She dies at 51. Um, a, young, a young lady had children, you know. And uh, your good friend and her host just turned 51 this week. You know, so it's one of those things that really hits home. You begin to consider your own mortality. And I don't want to spend a lot of time today uh, preaching. We're not going to pass around an offering plate or have an offering call or anything. But I, I can remind you of this. You know, the bottom line is none of us know how much time we have left. We don't. We think we do, but we don't. None of us are going to live forever. At some point, we're all going to die. You don't need me to break that news to you. But as long as we're here, let's do as much good as we can. Let's love one another. You know, and, and listen, your good friend and host sometimes needs a reminder of that too. You know, this morning I woke up in a very foul mood, had some things in business that weren't moving quite as quickly as I wanted them to move. So I get on the phone and I read some people to riot act. And a lot of times that's justified, but sometimes, sometimes I bite a little bit deeper than I want. And so it's a good reminder. You know, how do you want to be remembered? You know, my wife and I have talked about this recently as I've written this book, you know, kind of reminiscing. I was like, babe, do you remember so-and-so? And it was one particular guy that was a friend of ours. And she goes, you know, I don't remember much about him, but I remember he always was nice. I remember, like, you'd always talk about that Maya Angelou poem, right? It's like, you don't remember what people do or say, but you remember how they made you feel, you know? And I hope that's our legacy, right? I mean, it's when people look back at us and listen, I've, I've made some enemies over the years and many of them deserved, others not so much. But the reality of it is, is when you stand for something, you're going to make enemies. But my hope is, is that all of us can have that legacy. You know, look, people look back and say, you know what? When I was around that person, they lit up a room. They made me feel valued. They respected me. You know, those are things that I think are important. There are a lot of people out there listening. In the day of social media, there's so many hot takes and strong opinions about strangers and people we never have any interaction with. And we, we think their social media profile is really reflective of who they are as a person. And that's not always true. It's not. You know, sometimes in business, we have to play a bit of a character, right? That's just kind of how life works. Yeah, I mean, how many times do you meet some actor and all of a sudden you get a negative feeling just because of a character they played, right? But uh, let's not, you know, devolve too much into that, you know, get off the beaten path too much. But, uh, yeah, it's a sad deal, man. I woke up this morning and had people, you guys already messaging me. So, oh, my God, I can't believe Nikki mccray penson has gone. You know, the WNBA Hall of Famer, Olympic gold medalist, you know, played for Pat Summit, of course, came here. And, again, things didn't work out, you know. But uh, here's the deal, man. You know, nobody disliked Nikki McRae-Penson as a person. We just didn't win enough, right? And it was a difficult circumstance. I mean, she had to come in during a global pandemic and had to recruit her team to stay. You know, Vic Schaefer, of course, had done some legendary things. And you, you, you always want to be the coach following the person that followed the legend, right? Because you're going you're gonna to pale by comparison no matter how well you do. I mean, it's just kind of how life is. You know, there's an expectation set. And if you don't meet it, then all of a sudden, well, you're inferior. And so I don't know that she got, you know, maybe um, maybe the respect she deserved under the circumstances. But the bottom line is if you're a coach, you're judged on wins and losses. And uh, at the end of the day, I know we as a Bulldog family, I know that we are, we're saddened today at her passing. 
And again, uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody that loved Johnny Cooks and everybody that loved Nikki McRae Pinson. Speaking of things we love, it's Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I loved them before they loved me, but they do love me a lot. I will, I will give them credit for that. It is a very, very, very mutually beneficial relationship. I go in there and I put my feet under their table and I have a delicious meal at a reasonable price whenever I want to. It's amazing. Great service, great food, great locations. And man, those facilities are great. A lot of people, you know, we talk about location, location, location in business. They do such a great job putting things together at Bulldog Burger Company. Like when you walk in there, it's like, hey, there's not, it's a really cool place, a good vibe in here, right? That's one of the things I love about going in there is I can kind of go in there. It's dimly lit in the evenings, you know, I can kind of hide a little bit. And I enjoy just going and having a nice quality meal and being able to relax. That's exactly what I get at Bulldog Burger Company. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. Get a great restaurant quality hamburger, whether it be the Bryant, the Bulldog, the Pimentology. If you get that one, add the bacon. The Mississippi Barbecue Burger, outstanding. I've been kind of craving those sweet heat sliders, too. I'm going to do that today. Maybe this evening I'll go to Bulldog Burger Company and have the sweet heat chicken sliders. Maybe so. I'm kind of feeling that. But nevertheless, no matter what you have a hankering for, they can help you at Bulldog Burger Company. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Start Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Be sure to go check them out today and let them know I sent you. That might get you something. I don't know. It might get you a strange look. But either way, Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, there was some good news today. It's a story we have been tracking for a while. If you are a member of jeanspage.com, and if you're not, you certainly should be, because you, you would have known this was coming in some respects. Um, there were some times I wasn't quite sure if it was going to happen, but we have been monitoring this situation for some time now, and that is uh, Logan Kohler from Memphis. I had a chance to speak to him today. He is headed to Mississippi State to play a little baseball, and uh, I'm excited about it. And I'm going to break it down for you today. But uh, here's the deal with him. As soon as we reached out to him, he went in the portal. We, we found out because he is a two-time transfer, things are a little more complicated, right? He was in, originally signed with Oklahoma out of Lake, uh, excuse me, Little Elm High School there in Texas. He was considered the number 11 high school prospect in the Lone Star State coming out. And he signs with Oklahoma. Gets there, red shirts, and, uh, of course, played a little bit, kind of played sparingly as a freshman, elected to transfer to Memphis. And once he got to Memphis, he pretty much played every game and was among the offensive stars for them in both of his seasons. He was elected to transfer. And uh, in order to do that, to be able to play next year, you got to be able to graduate. And so there was some discussion about that. Everything has now been handled. You know, he's got to finish up a little coursework, but he'll be good to go. And uh, we feel like we're great with him, and so he'll move in. So let's take a look and you know, kind of see what he's done, you know, historically. What, what are we getting, Steve, at third baseman? Well, I want to be respectful to everybody else, but let me just say it like it is, right? It's an upgrade of what we've had. It is an upgrade. And, and the thing about it is, just give me the solid, steady guy, right? I mean, I just want a guy that's going to make the routine play and occasionally make a spectacular play, get up there, grind out at bats, put the ball in play, get productive outs when he's not getting on base. And uh, we didn't get that last year. And there were some flashes, of course, with Slate. But, um, you yeah, know, again, lowest fielding percentage on the team. 
You know, listen, I don't, again, I don't want to be disrespectful, but man, we could pull a kid out of stands, do that. They, probably, they could hit home runs, the way Slate did. But uh, listen, I wish Slate the best. I mean, it just did not work out last year. And as bad as pitching was, third base and time shortstop were even worse. But uh, looking at what um, young Logan Kohler has done, uh, he was 20 years of age when he played as a redshirt freshman at Oklahoma. Played in just nine games, had 25 plate appearances, just the four hits, a couple of RBIs, a stolen base, a walk, uh, five strikeouts in those 25 plate appearances. Batting average just a buck 74. But again, he's a redshirt freshman. Uh, his uh, 2021 year, again, played sparingly a little bit there. 18 games, 43 plate appearances, uh, five runs scored, seven hits, three doubles, a triple, six ribbies, uh, stolen base, 13 Ks. And the strikeout piece, you know, you, you want to see that get a little bit better. Pitch selection's got to be better. But, um, you know, he leaves Oklahoma, makes a move to Memphis, and then things kind of took off for him. And that's usually what you expect. You expect that guy to make the jump between year one and year two, you know, the full year, Right. And so all of a sudden, he becomes the everyday third baseman at the University of Memphis, played in uh, 55 games in 2022. 234 plate appearances, which is a career high. Scored 35 runs, had 55 hits, 12 doubles, six home runs, 35 ribbies, uh, four for four in stolen bases, and also had 27 walks. You like to see that, see that number continue to elevate because it tells you that perhaps that the pitch selection is getting better. He had 282 that year. Not great, but not bad. Took another jump, or should we say a step forward. Maybe he took a jump from 21 to 22. Took a step forward this past year. Uh, he is 23 years of age now. So, of course, he is draft eligible. And, uh, you know, there's a little bit of risk with that. We think we're okay there. But um, this past year at Memphis, with really not much around him for protection, and he led them in just about every offensive statistical category. I think he was second in home runs. Uh, third in RBI, led them with a 330 batting average. I think he was the only player on the team who hit 300 plus. But 52 games played, 225 played appearances. So this guy in four seasons has 527. You say, Steve, four seasons. Yeah, that's right. 2020 didn't count. So 527 college played appearances. And, uh, you know, last year, obviously his best year, scored 37 runs. That's a career high. 65 hits, career high. 13 doubles, a career high, at a triple, which tied a career high. 11 home runs, career high. 34 RBIs, down one off the career high. Nine stolen bases, he was 9 of 11 on the year. Uh, 22 walks. 49 Ks, he's pretty consistent with what he had the year before. Uh, but I think you look at this and you begin to realize, okay, this is a guy that can help us. Is he the corner piece of this offense? Absolutely not. That's going to be Hunter Hines and Dakota Jordan. But when you can go out there and get a guy that's got 500-plus Division I college baseball plate appearances, uh, you got to make the move there. And uh, made eight errors last year, but I ran the numbers last night. In his last 15 games, he made one error, and that was in the last game of the year. So he put it together. And uh, was the only Memphis Tiger to have five hits in a game, the first one in a handful of years uh, for Memphis. And so this should be your everyday third baseman here at Mississippi State. Uh, spoke to Logan today. He is incredibly excited. And you can read that article for free over jeanspage.com. Don't have to be a subscriber to read that. The, the first public comments that he makes about his decision. And uh, I called him and I said, hey, listen, here's the deal. 
I've heard a lot of things. I just want to hear from you. He goes, yeah, man, it's time to let everybody know I'm going to be a bulldog. And uh, spoke extensively about, you know, our needs at third base. He believes that he's the guy that can come in there and, and hold the hot corner down for us. Now, this is one of those things, too, where you kind of exhale a little bit, right? Like, okay, that's settled. Okay, we got the backup catcher. Okay, that's not probably something we're going to see every day. Johnny Long coming in from Pitt. You say, you know what? Hey, we've met that need, but that's not an emergent need third base is. Now you've met that one, too. Now you got to go away and get some more arms. That's what you got next, right? But I want to talk a little bit about them. Um... All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that could be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. You know, some of these third basemen, there are a lot of people that have uh, – you know, a lot of strong opinions about, uh, you know, the portal, right? And um, I say this as nicely as I can. I don't want to be, sound like I'm being disrespectful or talking down to anybody, okay? I talk to a lot of people in college baseball basically every day, always talking to somebody. And so I, I say this again because 
Listen, Kendall Rogers is my friend. I respect Kendall, but when he tweets out stuff, a lot of people think, hey, we need a third baseman. Kendall tweeted about a third baseman. Let's go get that guy. Kendall's not done nothing wrong, right? But that's not always the case, right? I mean, there's a guy out there that maybe perhaps is listed positionally where we think we have a need, and maybe he didn't feel that need. I'm going to give you an example of that. Uh, Billy Amick, right, from Clemson. That kid is a great player. He is. And everybody thinks, hey, Steve, we should be in the game with him. Well, here's the thing at Billy Amick, though. Billy Amick's a first baseman. He's not going to be a third baseman. That's one of the reasons that he's leaving Clemson. He wants a chance to play third baseman. I really thought he may end up at South Carolina because South Carolina's got a good portal class coming together, but it's basically South Carolina kids, and I really thought Amick was headed to South Carolina. But he is a guy that swings a big bat, but he's going to end up playing first base. He's not a guy that's done it well defensively. That's important to understand. You look at his offensive numbers, they're absolutely gaudy. You're like, hey, Steve, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I get that. I get that aspect of it. But, you know, he hit 413. That's nothing to sneeze at, right? Played in 42 games out of, out of 62. Or played in 46, excuse me. But, uh, you know, he hit 13 bombs and 63 ribbies. Those are loud numbers. They really are. But then you look up, too, you got a field percentage of 978 and a guy that was basically a part-time player. And the talk among scouts is that they believe that first base is ultimately going to be where he needs to be, if that makes sense. So even though he's on the move to Tennessee, he may end up being a designated hitter. And maybe he's thinking, you know what, hey, I just want a chance to go play one in baseball and I'll do whatever we got to do. You know, we're not looking for a DH. And we're looking for the best players available. And, and one could make an argument, hey, Steve, I take this kid and figure it out. And I get that line of thinking. But that doesn't help us at third base. And we don't have a ton of scholarships to work with. People, you know, our attitude's always, well, just figure it out, work it out. It's not always that simple, right? Roster management in college baseball may be the most difficult job in all of college athletics. Because you've got to really kind of overcompensate. Because you don't know who all is going to go in the draft. When you commit these kids in the ninth and 10th grade, and the rules are changing a little bit, and that's a good thing, but you commit these guys, and then all of a sudden everybody blossoms, and then uh, you lose a couple of kids you know, that you weren't expecting in the draft. Well, we still got to fill the team, right? And so you oversign with that in mind. And so you don't have a ton of scholarships to work with. I mean, you know, it should be a full counter sport. It's not. But you can't take a chance on a guy like Billy Amick if he can't play third. And you can say, well, you know, maybe he can. You know, maybe we'll trade some offense for defense. We've been doing that for a decade now at third base. Can we get a real third baseman? I think that's what we have in Logan Kohler. Is he a guy that can hit you 13 bombs? Maybe. We also needed a left-handed power bat. Because the only true left-hander we have coming back is Hunter Hines. We fully expect Kelvin Clark to get drafted. And, of course, uh, you know, Mershon, of course, a switch hitter, right? So he can give us a left-handed stick at the top of the order. But, you know, we like to do this lefty-righty-lefty thing. You know, it's like, yeah, if I throw Hunter Hines in there in the three-hole, Dakota in the four, I can hit Kohler behind him. That's a left-handed power bat. It's a guy, too, with the, you know, we got that short porch and right in the Atkerson Plaza. 
Colder makes a lot of sense to me. Am I going to sit here and tell you he's the best guy we chased? He's not. But he's good. I think he's a good fit for us. Amick wasn't going to work for us. And that's not me just sitting here trying to, you know, defend it or throw some, you know, some spin behind it. Because I'll tell you, the guy that, you know, I really hope we would get in the, in the early going, you know, a guy that I thought not only would he have been a great addition for us offensively, but also a guy, too, that um, I think is going to end up probably being a big leaguer someday. It's Cade McGee from Gonzaga that ultimately chose Texas Tech. You know, if, I, if I'm doing the evaluating, that's probably the guy at the top of my board, and I'm sure that he was. But we didn't get him. You're like, oh, well, it makes sense, you know. And he goes to Texas Tech, and I had some people tell me, you know, some people in, in uh, scouting said he was a little bit worried about SEC pitching. He's like, hey, I put together some pretty big numbers out here at Gonzaga, and maybe the chance to boost my stock and my stats is better in the Big 12 than it is in the SEC. Now, that sounds like a long-term plan, and I'll be honest with you, I don't want those guys on my team. I want guys that want to play the best of the best. Don't you? But I think Cade McGee, to me, makes the most sense if you could have got him. You know, that, that's the thing that I think about. It's like, hey, I want to get that guy, right? Now, some other guys that, we, you know, we've talked about here, you know, as of late, Colby Shelton. You know, Colby Shelton is a guy that had some absolutely gaudy numbers at Alabama. You, know, you look at those numbers, you think, this is nuts. And he was, you know, freshman All-American this year. Some huge numbers. And LSU was chasing him. You know, LSU was after him and said, hey, you know, you can come in here and play third. And, and Tommy White's not even draft eligible. I mean, come on, Jay. I guess you do what you got to do. But, man, this kid hit 25 bombs this year. And, yeah, we chased him a little bit. We did. But you know what? And, yeah, he was a freshman, and you hope some things get better. At times, he was a little bit of a mess defensively. And so we don't need to bring 886 fielding percentage, just so you know. So 10 errors. So, you know, 10 errors. And, again, he's a freshman. You expect there to be, you know, some improvement next year. But he had more errors than Kohler and less opportunities. And so I, I look at this, again, you say 25 home runs. There's, there's more to it, right? And you begin to look, you know, a little bit deeper here. Uh, I'm not saying you don't go off for the kid. You do. You know, because you want to be as offensive as you can. But the reality of it is, is um, I've had enough. I've had enough of defensive third liabilities at third base. And Kobe Shelton now will transfer to Florida, and he is a Florida native. So we weren't going to beat Florida. People are like, well, let's just go throw a bunch of money at him. Okay, well, you know, where's that money coming from? Well, you know, with somebody else's responsibility, right? You know, that, that's, again, I'm not going to preach a bunch about that. But I think when you look at the total package and look at our immediate and emergent need at third base, I think Logan Kohler is a good get for State. Is he a great get? I'm not ready to say that because I don't believe that right now. I may feel differently in the fall. But when you've got a guy that is a veteran guy with four seasons of college baseball under his belt, he's not going to panic. The game's not going to speed him up. It's a guy that understands 
what it means to play college baseball. Granted, he hadn't played on a stage this grand, but he did spend some time at Oklahoma. You know, they don't care about baseball the way that we do, but he's played, you know, Power 5 baseball before. It's not like this is a guy that went to junior college and then next thing you know, he's at Memphis and and um, going to, you know, be swallowed whole by those crowds. And I thought Landon Gartman handled that adjustment well last year too. But you understand my point. This is a guy that's been there. Even though he left and now he's coming back to the Power 5 level, I am perfectly okay with this take. Because I, I'll tell you this, I am sick and tired of seeing a routine ground ball hit to third base and it get thrown in the right field. I am so sick and tired of that, I can't hardly really stand it. Not just as a former baseball coach, but as a fan of the game, a fan of all things good and decent in life. I'm sick and tired of routine plays not being made on the left side of the infield. It's not, you know, Cam James put in some good years for us, you know, and it was a bit of an adventure at times until Cam got settled. But, you know, we went to Omaha and he was electric, had a great postseason for us. And Cameron James, I would say in the last decade, probably the best third baseman we've had. And he was a converted shortstop. When have, when's the last time? Do we have to go all the way back to Travis Chapman to say, you know what, yeah, we had a legit third baseman? I mean, honest to goodness. Think about it. I don't need another converted guy, especially in, in this day and time when there are so many people nowadays. There's, there's so many games that we play. You trip, Bush League type stuff. You know, there's a lot of bunt and run. There's a ton of stuff that happens these days. And you better have a savvy guy at the corner. And if not, people are going to victimize you. We saw it this year. I mean, you know, you, you had Slate playing back a little bit. and They would just drop a bunt down and, and just say, you know what, throw me out. And then he did, and then we'll do it again, and he'll throw it away, you know. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm jumping on Slade, and I don't mean to. But my point being is, you know, we all saw the same things. I don't have to have a star at third base. I'd love to have a star at third base, but I don't have to have a star. I just need a good ball player. I just need a guy, again, that can go out there and be productive on offense and not be a liability on defense. You say, but Steve, this is Mississippi State. And it's true. It is. This is Mississippi State. We should always expect better. And this is better. Mississippi State baseball got better today with Logan Kohler. Now, real preview, too. I'll probably write this story tomorrow but because uh, it's been a busy day. But I, I did speak to Johnny Long from Pitt, the uh, catcher. He is exactly what we're looking for. Ross Highfield is our starter. We need a guy to come in and be a depth guy. The money quote in the interview is he said, I'm going in there with a fifth-year guy's mentality. I got four years of baseball under my belt. Every fifth-year guy should be a team guy. It's not about me. It's about the team. What can I do to help this program get back to Omaha? That's the kind of catcher that you had to have. That's the kind of catcher that you got. This is a guy that's coming in and going to have a chance to play. One of the greatest stadiums in the game and certainly the biggest cathedral in all of college baseball. And rather than him coming in and saying, I'm going to come in there and win the job. You know, I like a fact, you, you know, you want, you want a guy that's an alpha and a competitor, but you don't want a guy that's going to come in here and rock the boat. We know what we have with an established starter, Ross Highfield. I like an older guy to come in here and help handle pitchers, work with them in the bullpen, catch some in the midweek, be capable of working the back end of a doubleheader, guy that can be a difficult out at times but a guy that knows his role. You start going in the portal and you start chasing these guys that, uh, you know, have a sense of entitlement to come in here and think, and I'm not getting what I deserve, and I'm going to go to your program and bring my cancer with me. 
you get into trouble. And as, as delicate as this situation is, because, you know, we had two transfers, catch, catcher trans, catch, two freshman catchers transfer because we signed three in a class and Ross won the job, and they're thinking, you know what, I don't have a chance to play here. So we got to kind of kick the can down the road a little bit, and we got to address matters, and we got to have a guy to help us navigate through the season. Because if not, you got a sophomore, a junior college guy, and then a walk-on. So, again, Mississippi State baseball gets better by the addition of Johnny Long. Does he move the needle? No. Does he feel a need for us? He absolutely does. And that's not a need that's going to be required to be on the baseball field every day. And so I like what we've done so far, but it's not enough. It's not enough, right? We all see it. But now we're on some big arms. You know, Chase Burns from Tennessee was a guy that was kind of a reluctant reliever for the Volunteers, lost his spot in the rotation, moves to the bullpen. He was very, very good. He wants to go back to the starting lineup. They're not offering him that opportunity at Tennessee. And so we're in, we're in it with him. We're chasing him. LSU's chasing him. Arkansas's chasing him. You know, we'll see how things go. But the reality of it is is that, um, you know, we're chasing him. We're chasing Mason Molina from Texas Tech. Big left-handed pitcher there. A lot of people thought he was going to Arkansas in any May. But he's going to go through the process. And I hear he's going to officially visit Mississippi State. We're, you know, we're chasing Luke Coleman. You know, and, you know, I was told before LSU was out of it. Now Nate Yeske's kind of got him back in it a little bit. You know, so it's going to be basically us, LSU, and Tennessee. And, you know, the reality of it is, is, you know, Luke Coleman's a guy looking for the right pitching coach. You know, Yeski's a great pitching coach. Justin Parker's a great pitching coach. Frank at Tennessee's a great pitching coach. So I kind of see his line of thinking. But, you know, he can come here and be a hero, you know. And, and I think one of the great points, too, the entire – we went through this, right? The entire 2024 college baseball season at LSU is going to be about this year, celebrating this year. It's going to be a much different team next year. You know, Tommy White, of course, might be your SEC Offensive Player of the Year. But they're losing, they're losing a lot. They're having to rebuild the portal. And is that sustainable? I don't know that it is. But you know what? Whatever they do this year is likely going to be overshadowed by what they did this past season. Or you come here, be part of the turnaround, get Mississippi State back in the mix, and perhaps get State to Omaha, and all of a sudden, you know, you're going to get a lot more credit for that. So, you know, State is on some big-time arms right now. Now we got to close. Again, we went into this thing and we thought, you know what? Our most emergent needs were backup catcher, check, third baseman, check, and big-time arms. And that's what we're working on now. Nate Lamb has come in, and we don't expect that guy to be a weekend starter, but we do expect him to come in here and compete and be a guy that's a veteran guy. Maybe he hadn't played on this stage, but this is a guy and, and actually doing pretty well out there in the, uh, in the MLB Pro League. Yeah, I mean, doing a good job out there in the summer leagues. And then if there's a special outfielder that comes along, you take them. You know, if there's a difference maker that comes and has a major interest in you, you take them. If Braden Montgomery goes in the portal, and I've heard that it, it, it's going to happen over the course of the next few days, and we'll see, you know. But if Braden Montgomery goes in the portal, you got to take him. There's no way around it. You have to take him. And, of course, the later they wait, the more it puts you up against the, you know, against the bump. you got to get in all these uh, visits in before, you know, the team reports in August. And we're going to talk a little more about reporting dates a little bit later in the show. But we're in it. Have we done well? We've done pretty good. Have we done great? No. 
and this portal class and likely next season will be defined about the decisions that we make and the recruiting commitments that we get over the course of the next few weeks. All right, time for today's top 10 list. Is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a mortgage professional. Blair is my friend. And if you're a person in need, Blair is your friend too. Maybe you need to refinance a mortgage. Maybe you need to get a mortgage. Maybe you have mortgage questions. Maybe you've been turned down in the past and you're scared to try again. You don't want to get your hopes up, right? You know, get with Blair and get pre-qualified. How about that? Get pre-qualified. This is a guy not going to judge you. I mean, he's been doing it 22 years. You think, you think you're the worst applicant he's ever seen? You're kidding yourself. He's worked with people that are similarly situated as you many times in his career. Nobody stays in an industry 20-plus years by accident. Reach out to Blair today at 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. Get pre-qualified. You're like, you know what, Steve? I just, you know, I feel like I'm just throwing my money away, renting a place. And you and you are. You are. You're living month to month, basically. You're not making an investment in the property. You're making somebody else rich. You're paying somebody else's house note. Why not pay your own? And chances are your house note is going to be less than your rent anyway. It can be a complicated process. Work with a professional like Blair Chandler. Let him help you make your dreams of home ownership a reality. Again, that's closedblair.com. All right. I can't believe we haven't done this one. And I don't even know how I just, this week I said, you know what? We haven't done the cranberries. And we haven't. So we're going to do the cranberries today. And I'm going to tell you some things about the cranberries maybe you don't know. Did you know the cranberries have sold over 30 million records? Did you know that? Did you know they've actually sold over 40 million records? Which actually makes them a better selling act from the 90s than no doubt. And Gwen Stefani, of course, an absolute superstar. But the cranberries outsold them. Cranberries really not too far behind Heart, which would be considered the best female-friendly rock band of all time. I don't know what you consider Fleetwood Mac. They're kind of in a category of all their own. But the Cranberries, not in that category, but the Cranberries, against their contemporaries, hung in there, did an amazing job. And, of course, Dolores O'Riordan, uh, God rest her soul. Do you know how she passed away? Do you know the circumstances behind it? It's really a sad, sad situation. So uh, Tommy Vaxed, who uh, has caused some uh, stir on Twitter over the years because of his political views, but um, not maybe the views you think. Tommy is a big advocate for recovery. He works extensively with people in recovery. He is in recovery himself. Um, and Tommy is a guy that is not scared to speak his mind. Tommy also was a guy that was actually shot by his brother and left for dead and um, recovered. And he fronted a band called Bad Wolves, who are amazing. He ultimately left them over some political differences. Uh, but Bad Wolves had some huge, huge hits, and one of the first hits they had was a cover of Zombie. Well, the night before, D Dolores O'Riordan was supposed to go and record her part. She was going to sing on Bad Wolves' version of Zombie. She got intoxicated and fell asleep and drowned in the bathtub. And that's how she died. In London, the night before she was supposed to record a cover version of her biggest hit. Amazing. And then, of course, Bad Wolves then donated all proceeds to the sale of the single uh, to the, the education of Dolores' children. So God rest her soul. We're going to honor their music today. 
the Cranberries. And uh, many of you probably had a couple of their albums. I suspect it's probably Everybody Else is Doing It, So Why Can't We, which is a great title for an album. In the United States alone, 3.2 million copies sold. And then No Need to Argue came out. That was the follow-up. No sophomore jinx for the Cranberries. Guys, it goes five times platinum by a couple different organizations. Seven times platinum by some others. But in the United States alone, 4.1 million copies that album sold. Incredible. The follow-up to that was to The Faithful Departed, and then things kind of fell apart from there. You know, they spent a little time away from each other and um, you know, never really recaptured their glory. And it's your fault. You quit buying the records. You got too cool. But nevertheless, we're going to celebrate the wonderful music of the Cranberries today. Number 10, uh, going back a bit, it's uh, Ridiculous Thoughts. A great song. I really love the uh, the vocal bends on this one. That's the thing about Dolores O'Riordan. They're actually from Limerick Island. How crazy is that to be from Limerick? Uh, but nevertheless, the way that she kind of manipulated her voice at times kind of set her apart for her contemporaries. I think a lot of that, too, is from singing Irish folk music. I think she incorporated some of that, what she experienced growing up, into her vocal stylings as a national recording artist, worldwide recording artist. And I think this is a good example of that. Uh, number nine on our list is I Can't Be With You. Now, nowadays, if you wrote that song, it'd be because you're absolutely rotten and I love myself more than I love you and anything else in the world. I love me, right? That's what it would, that would be the, the subtitle. I Can't Be With You, and this was all in the uh, very morose early 90s. It's I'm sad because I can't be with you. I'm not mad that I can't be with you. I'm sad. You know, that's why I'm sad today, because I can't be with you. And if you've ever experienced love, it's how you feel. True love. I mean, don't, let's not confuse infatuation. Let's not... Let's not pursue things that are fleeting and confuse them as things that are forever. Much different deal. That's what maturity, that's what makes us different than the animals. All right, number eight. This has got a bit of a doo-wop feel to it, kind of going back to the 50s and 60s. It's a great track called When You're Gone. And uh, again, kind of got a morose feel to it, but it's more of a positive song. Be check it out. Number seven, the great track is Promises. Like this one a lot, too. And this is one of those songs, too. It might be one of those songs, too, that maybe you're unfamiliar with, but I think that you'll find the vocal uh, performance on this to be especially pleasing. Number six, I absolutely dig this song so much, and it's really different than a lot of other things in the Cranberry catalog. It's the great track, Free to Decide. I love the guitar tuning on this. I don't know if they're playing a Rickenbacker, but it sounds like it. It's very, very similar. They kind of pull that same thing off which is kind of an ode to true 80s alternative and even going back to the Haight-Ashbury sound um, of the birds, you know, uh, Roger McGuinn, those guys. And so it's very similar to that. Kind of got an R.E.M. vibe to it as well. And, of course, R.E.M. kind of ripping off um, the birds. But um, this track has a true alternative feel to it. You know, nowadays, everybody wants to be alt-rock, but uh, that's the thing. This song is really in the vein of what we heard in the 80s and kind of college and alternate rock. All right, number five, up-tempo track, and uh, the vocal, outstanding on this. But uh, I, one of the things I dig about it, you can find some videos online of them playing over in Europe. 
And when this song hits, the entire crowd is like hopping up and down. It's just, it looks like a popcorn factory. It's incredible. It's a great track called Salvation. Number five on your list, Salvation. Now, we've reached the final four. And I think that uh, those of us that lived through this uh, will probably agree these are the top four songs. We may disagree on the order, but I think we agree on the songs themselves. Number four, a beautiful song, and this is actually a song that, that hit my mind the other day and, um, when I was writing. I was uh, listening to some songs that I listened to. When I write, when I wrote this book, uh, When the Bottom Falls, every chapter I listened to the music that I listened to at the time I lived through these things. Does that make sense? Because, again, it's the best time machine in the world. And so I put on my YouTube music, and, you know, once you listen to one or two songs, it kind of keeps going. And I was in a groove just typing away, and then Ode to My Family came on. And I got thinking, man, we had not done the Cranberries. We haven't done the Cranberries. We should do the Cranberries. Roy, have we done the Cranberries? And he's like, no. Okay, we're doing Cranberries on Friday. And I listened to the song three or four times. It's beautiful. It is a beautiful, beautiful song. And I suspect most of us feel that way about our families. And maybe some people's family situation is not what they would have it to be. But at the end of the day, I can tell you from a guy that's lost his father, whatever, ever, ever, ever difficulties you have between them, do your best to reconcile them. That's what we dope on the show with. I mean, you, you never know when you're going to lose somebody. And uh, one of the things that I have prided myself upon is that um, I have not lost anybody of major uh, relation to me without me telling them how much I love them. And uh, I hope that God always affords me that opportunity. But, you know, I'm not going to wait until the end to tell them. You know, I, I suspect my youngest son, uh, it's most time it's me and him, you know, when his mom is away working, which thankfully is not as much as it was before. I tell that kid I love him every single day. Most of the time, multiple times a day. I didn't get that when I was a kid, and that's not in any way to be a criticism. But I'm just not going to look back one day and say, you know what? I should have told you I loved you a lot more, you know. I do love that kid. I love all my kids. But, uh, you know, he's my youngest, of course. And, uh, you know, his senior year probably wasn't what, what most people would have envisioned. You know, his mom wasn't around much. And, um, and so, yeah, I had to kind of overcompensate at times for that. But I love that kid, man. I do. And uh, every time I hang up the phone with my children, I tell everyone I love them. Because I want that to be the last thing. If, if I die tomorrow, I would like that to be their, the lasting memory. The last thing I ever told them is how much I loved them. Because at the end of the day, that's all we have is love. It's true. Number three, uh, it opens the Greatest Hits album. It also opens the album it's on. It's the great track, Dreams. And the vocal on this, the falsetto on this is angelic. Love this one. And you've heard it a million times, and you might not even know the name of the song. I love this song, and uh, it chills me out, man. When I drive, I put this on. It's just like, you know, this was a very simple time in life, you know, when this, when this music came out. And I don't know if there's anybody out there doing this today a lot of people are more there's a lot more anger in music these days for sure and i think because maybe the world is angrier but something about the early 90s you know, even though we had the grunge thing you know cranberries were much different even though they got coupled at times with grunge bands on tours cranberries a little bit lighter they had some strong subject matter but they, they weren't in your face they didn't raise your blood pressure when you listen to them number two uh, probably the first time that you guys heard this band the cranberries you heard this song because this song was everywhere. It was a top 40 hit. It was on adult contemporary radio. It was on rock radio. It was everywhere. It's a great song called Linger. Do you have to let it linger? Well, yeah, I do. 
But nevertheless, you understand what I mean here. This is one of those songs, too. It probably got a bit overplayed at times, to be honest with you. But to me, and I think most people that uh, are from the 1900s that lived through the 1990s, those of us that survived it, when you hear the words cranberries, you just about always turn to zombie. It is an absolutely anthemic song. I love watching those videos on YouTube when they, in their heyday, when they crank into that song and the crowd goes absolutely nuts. It is an absolutely amazing song. And of course, that all came out before The Walking Dead and all this zombie stuff was cool or whatever, you know. There's so many people that just follow the trends. But the Cranberries, again, a lot of people began to kind of, um, you know, I guess kind of falsely cast them as they're just an adult contemporary band. I mean, they're just kind of soft rock because all you heard was what was on the radio. And then they came out and punched you right in your face with Zombie. Absolutely love this song. A lot of people have covered it. It is, again, one of those songs that are very, pretty much anthemic from early 90s rock. So there you go, the Cranberries today. I hope I did this list justice. I think I did. I know that um, uh, Jennifer and Todd will let me know if I didn't, my friends. And uh, every time I do something from the 90s, Jennifer Barnett will comment. She's like, hey, this is good. This wasn't good. Or you missed this. Very respectful. But she'll let me know. If I miss something, she sure to let me know. But uh, I know, listen, those people are great people and great, great friends of mine. I appreciate their contributions uh, to the Boneyard and really all we do, man. But uh, nevertheless, hope you enjoy the list and I hope that you listen to it, perhaps share it with friends. And uh, for you young ladies, or maybe you fathers and uh, mothers of young ladies listen to the show, if you really want to know how somebody can really sing from their soul and it doesn't come across as plastic or artificial, listen to this list. Listen to the Cranberries. Because I guarantee you're going to find something that you identify with. The music was very relatable. And it's a shame that we lost Dolores when we did. But I think it's important that we honor these people because there's not, there's not new material. They're not being caught on social media doing something stupid. You know, the bottom line is she is gone forever and a day, and her music lives on. So we're happy to celebrate that today. Again, the Cranberries. And again, if you're unfamiliar, you need to familiarize yourself because Dolores O'Riordan, an absolute vocal legend in Europe and the United States. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. Campus Bookmart, they have exactly what you're looking for when it comes to Mississippi State merchandise. Go by and see their smiling faces next time you're in town, neatly positioned on the backside of campus. Easy to get to. Go in there, peruse their fine selection of Mississippi State merch, the most expansive collection. And then on Universe. Maybe there's a lot of Bulldog fans on Mars. We just hadn't found them yet. But here's the deal. If you need to outfit your family, your home, your pet, your RV, your man cave, your woman cave, whatever, you can do it at Campus Bookmark. If you can't make it to town or perhaps game day is not a good shopping day for you, visit them on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet, at campusbookmark.net and use promo code BSR. That stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. Makes it easy to remember. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. That's a cool thing, too. You listen to this show, you're saving money. How cool is that? Thank Campus Bookmark for many years. Sponsorship on this show. Love them. Absolutely love them. Matter of fact, I'm headed there soon to buy a diploma frame 
for my daughter Mia so she can hang that Mississippi State diploma on the wall with pride. It's always a nice gift. Let me go buy mine first because I don't want to have a, you know, limited selection. But nevertheless, Campus Bookmark, they've got exactly what you're looking for. All right, let's take a little time to preview the draft. The draft gets underway on Sunday. We'll get rounds one and two on Sunday. And then Monday, we go rounds three through ten. And then Tuesday, rounds 11 through 20. So over the, so we're going to spend a lot of time kind of sitting at the computer, watching the draft, writing articles, kind of keeping you abreast of the latest developments, where guys get selected, who's coming to school, who's not, who's leaving school. So let's start really with our signees, and then we'll get to current players. Kind of here's what we're hearing. And you never know, right? I mean, there's, there's never enough people to talk to in a process like this because opinions vary. I mean, you look at NFL draft. I mean, how many years do you see some guy get drafted? I mean, remember when the Miami Dolphins took Ted Ginn? Everybody's like, what? In the first round? It's nuts. So you never know. You never know when a team is going to have a scout stand on the table and beat for a kid, and the next thing you know, they take him. So the one guy that we feel certain that is not going to be a diamond dog is Colin Hope, who uh, is a middle infielder from Parkview High School in Lilburn, Georgia. He is expected to be one of the first high school players taken, projected to go in the top 15 picks. I've seen, I think, multiple analysts have him at number 12 to the Arizona Diamondbacks. He is the guy that's looking to sign and will probably fetch a signing bonus close to $5 million. That guy's not turning down that kind of money. And you think, too, you know, hey, that's, that's the move you should make, right? You're, you're not going to improve your standing that much. You come to school and play three years, and you go back and say, well, you know, we got $5.5 million, right? Is it, was it really worth it? You know, maybe not. Some people may feel differently. But guys that are projected to go that high – it's because there is signability. Scouts and teams understand these guys are expected to sign. They've got agents involved and advisors that are telling teams, yeah, they're going to sign. So, Colin, we appreciate your contributions, as limited as they may be, to Mississippi State Bulldog baseball. But, uh, you know, we never even really got a chance to know you. But wish him and his family the best. Now, the next guy that we're concerned about and we weren't as concerned about him a month ago as we are today. And that's outfielder Aiden Smith. I have had some people say, hey, this, this is a dude right here that's going to be a big leaguer. We thought we were going to be able to get him to campus. And now that is uh, probably a 40-60 proposition. Probably. Yeah, it's not even 50-50 anymore. And I think, again, it was probably 60-40 the other way. But a lot of teams like him. He projects exceptionally well. Big, physical, outfield piece that could probably play as a true freshman. A guy that has already kind of, you know, he can hit the high school breaking ball. He can hit the travel circuit breaking ball. Could he hit an SEC breaking ball? That would probably take a little bit of an adjustment. A guy that's known to be a big-time worker. But uh, we do expect him to go fairly early. Is it day one? There's some talk that if he doesn't get selected on day one, that he may elect to come to school. But here's the thing that we've learned, and if, if last year's draft is any indication of future results, 
if a high school player gets drafted in the first 10 rounds, he's going to sign. Do you know how many high school players were drafted last year in rounds one through 10 that came to school? Do you know? Let me tell you, zero. Zero. Not a single one. There were three players and 300-plus picks that were drafted in the top 10 rounds that elected not to sign a pro contract. And all three of them were college players. They all went back to school. So if a high school player is taken in the top 10, they're going to sign. You say, well, Steve, how can you be so confident of that? Well, it's because they essentially agree to terms before the pick is turned in. Because teams are penalized, right? They, they lose, I think, $150,000 out of their bonus pool for every pick. And so, yeah, you get a comp pick for it, but you're also uh, you know, your bonus structure is reduced for the particular draft signing class. So they're not going to go select the guy, a guy without some assurance that he is going to sign. So anybody that goes in the top ten rounds from the high school ranks, they're going. And just about every player from the college ranks for dropping the top ten rounds, they're going. It's important to understand that. Now, Aiden Smith is currently ranked 197th among the MLB prospects by Kylie McDaniel, who is widely considered one of the most uh, respected and in-the-know draft evaluators in the industry. I'd say Jim Callay is probably right there with him, um, or Jim Callis. I don't know how you pronounce it, but uh, I, I, I follow Jim. He typically knows what's going to happen before it happens. But Aiden is a guy now that even though he is hovering around 200, signability appears to be you know, a real possibility now. So we think there is a chance that he'll go in the earlier rounds. You know, does he get life-changing money? I don't know. But I was told that his asking price is around $1.5 million. In order to get that, he's going to have to go on day one. If he goes day two, if he doesn't go in day one, does he just tell his agent, I'm going to school? Because there are going to be some guys that go to college that are worthy of a top ten round draft pick that don't get selected. And some of our casual fans would say, well, it must not be any good they came to school. Well, they're not going to waste a pick on a guy they can't sign. So if a, guy's, if a guy wants $1.5 million and his slot value is half of that, unless there's some savings discount somewhere else in the draft, they're not going to get their asking price so they come to school. That's an important aspect of this. Now, Dylan Cup is 117, according to Kylie. Now, you see that number and it scares you, right? But I've been told for a month that Dylan Cup plans to come to school. And part of that, too, is the offensive piece. Defensively, he has a, the potential to be one of the better shortstops to ever play at Mississippi State. What he needs is at-bats. There are some people in Major League Baseball scouting circles that tell me two years of college and Dylan Cup will be a first-rounder. You know, Jacob Gonzalez is a guy that we all know well. Jacob was a guy that was in a similar situation. I think actually Jacob may have been ranked a little bit higher heading into the draft, speaking of the old Miss shortstop. And now he is going to be a first-rounder. I have people tell me that Dylan Cup probably has a similar trajectory in a couple of years in college will probably fetch him a lot more coin. I think he's a guy, too, that doesn't have to have the money. And of course, we'd all love to have the money, but when you look at the – it's a big picture. It's like, am I willing to sign now for $500,000 to begin my pro career, but if I come and spend two years and have a chance to go to Omaha and develop, and then in two years I can get 
four million. It's an easy decision to make, and you're betting on yourself. But again, the expectation today is that Dylan's going to come to school. That's what we expect. That could change. You know, somebody gets on the phone, you know, tomorrow and says, "Hey, Dylan, our national cross checker loves you. Our GM loves you. We're prepared to give you three million dollars if you're willing to sign." So that could change. That's why we have a draft. All right, Luke Dodson is another guy too. Uh, and, and Dylan Cup also, too, is on campus. Aiden Smith and uh, Colin Hoke are not on campus right now. Every other high school signee is on campus right now. Going through workouts, attending summer school. Summer school classes began yesterday on July the 6th. And so they're here. And the fact that they're here is not just a leverage situation. These are guys that are now leaning towards coming to school, or they wouldn't be here. I mean, think about how difficult it is when you move to college or your parents moved you to college they're not going to move you over there just for the fun of it. They're going to move you over there and, okay, we'll, leave, we'll just leave all your stuff because we got millions of dollars now. Um, yeah, that would be enough incentive to leave your college apartment furniture behind, but you wouldn't go to all that trouble. It wouldn't be a disingenuous effort is my point. You wouldn't – because, like, you know, Hulk and, and Aiden Smith can still come to school. Matter of fact, they could just decide on Monday, you know what, I'm done with this, I'm going to go to Mississippi State because, you know, the drop ad day didn't hear yet. They're going to sit at home and watch a draft and kind of see what happens. Uh, but the reality of it is these guys that are on campus, you got to feel pretty good about them staying. That's a big part of things. Now, uh, Luke Dodson, 214, according to Colin. So not too terribly far off Aiden Smith's numbers, but uh, Luke is a big strapping left-hander. He's a guy who was a two-way player, as an outfielder, as a pitcher, rated as the number one pitcher out of the state of Georgia. He also is on campus. I'm told that we expect him to come to school. That's important to understand, too. You know, again, there's no guarantee. I mean, once they enroll for fall classes, we're done because the deadline to sign is passed. But until that deadline passes, you know, summer school is not going to scare anybody away. That's important to understand. Uh, Jason Norton is another guy that's ranked in the top 300 at 252. Uh, Makai Grant, that's a guy at 273. Two months ago, I was told that he expected to sign. And when you start working through the numbers, once you, know, once you get out of you know, the top two rounds, you're not going to get life-changing money unless there is a rare exception. Like we saw with Carter Young last year. Remember Carter Young from Vanderbilt? He's the guy that broke up our no-hitter in an AFL championship game. A guy that has a tremendous hole in his swing. This is a guy that Entered the transfer portal to go to LSU last year, and everybody's like, oh, this is going to be great. And I said, there's no chance that guy's going to play. And then the Orioles, because of the fact they had a kid in the first ten rounds, I think it was the third round, that didn't sign, they were able to use that savings to get Carter Young to incentivize him to bypass LSU and go ahead and play pro ball. It was over a million dollars, even though he was drafted, I think, in the 17th round. So that's important to understand, too. You know, because here's the deal. I, I'll give you a good example. We talk about the super senior savings. Like, look at Jake Mangum. So, Jake Mangum, a lot of our fans say, hey, look at he, Jake benefited by coming back and playing his senior year because, look, he was drafted so much higher. And that's true. However, let's say, for an example, the slot value for his spot is, you know, $1.2 million. well, he has no leverage. So if I walk in there and say, hey, Jake, here's your contract and a check for $100,000, he's 
What's he going to do, tell me no? He's not going to tell me that because he can't return to school. And so that's what happens a lot of times. You see these seniors get drafted early because they know they can give those guys a take-it-or-leave-it proposition and then use that savings to incentivize high school players taken later in the draft. They can pay them above slot. That's the term. You pay the super senior well below slot, so you can pay the high school guy drafted later above slot. That's how it works. It's a complicated process, but that's how it works. So it's not necessarily about where you're selected as a senior. It's about what the signing bonus is. You know, we've had some guys in the past, back when we had a 40-round draft, signed for $1,500 because they were seniors. And they came out and said, you know, I just want to play pro ball and I want to finish up my college career and have a chance to go to Omaha. That's why you see guys leave as juniors because you have the leverage. Guys have to pay you. Teams have to pay you to forego your senior year of college. If you take advantage of that senior year of college, and there are very few exceptions of guys that come back and command a huge signing bonus, it's important to understand that, right? So, you know, seniors in baseball are not always a good thing, right? Especially if you're a pro prospect, because chances are if you're a senior, you're probably not a big-time prospect, which means you're probably not moving your team the needle towards Omaha, right? Uh, but Makai Grant, a guy that we expected to sign two months ago, now we expect him to go to school. And, again, he's a guy too, at 273 in the top 300, probably not going to command enough. This is a guy, too, is a private school kid from, uh, from Georgia. So it's not like he can, people can hold him hostage, right? He, can't, he really can't be exploited in that respect. That's important to understand, too. There's a lot of this, man. There's a lot of guys out there that they need the money, and the teams know it. And they say, you know what, that kid will sign for peanuts and a hamburger. And um, I won't tell you a name, but there was a kid in Mississippi here a few years ago. This is before the draft. We had the abbreviated five-round draft in 2020. I guess this goes back to maybe 2014 or 15. There was a kid in Mississippi. And he signed for $25,000. And you say, well, Steve, that's a lot of money, that kid. Yeah, well, he was signed to go play junior college baseball. And uh, probably, had he gone and played JUCO baseball, probably would have at least gotten 10 times that amount. But there was a team out there that says, you know what? We know that he'll come because he doesn't have anything. Because it's their job as administrators and as stewards of money to get the talent as cheaply as possible, get the best talent for the smallest denomination possible. And any money that you save in the earlier rounds, of course, you can spend later. And so that's important to understand. And so if you've got a guy like Dylan Cup and you take him and you get some savings somewhere else, maybe you come back and say, you know what, hey, Dylan, I don't know what your asking price was, but we were able to save this half a million dollars. We're happy to give it to you. And so it's important to understand that. The longer the draft goes without these high school guys getting selected, the better it is for Mississippi State. And you had a situation last year where Gerangelo Sanjay, Sanjay excuse me, was drafted in the 18th round by the Brewers. Well, there was no chance of him coming to school. Excuse me, they're going pro. He did come to school. Uh, and the reason that was is, like, there are no skips. Like, you can't just skip a pick. You have to select a player. And so when teams, like the Brewers, basically were out of bonus money, and so they go draft this guy, which is basically a skip, 
we're going to go take Gerangelo Sanchez because we know he's going to school and it'll be a draft and follow type deal and anything can happen late. But um, the reality of it is, is that they take him knowing they have no money to pay him just to move the draft forward. So you may see some guys get drafted late. You know, like you start panicking, like, oh, Steve, I don't know. Well, that's always the possibility. And, of course, we don't know everybody's uh, – you know, we know what their draft pool is because that money's made available as part of the collective bargaining agreement. But we don't know what they've offered other guys. And so that's important to understand. So just because you see a high school guy drafted 18th or 19th is no reason to panic. But if you see a high school guy go in the first 10 rounds, the first two days of this draft, he is not coming to school. Go ahead and be prepared. There'll be people out there in the Facebook group who says, well, you never know. Guys, we know. Because they wouldn't have been selected if they hadn't already agreed to sign. It's much, much different the back half of the draft. Much, much different. There's an assigned slot value for every pick, rounds one through 10. There's not. It's what it, I think it's 125,000 uh, beyond that. And um, it's a different deal these days, you know, this new collective bargaining agreement. Let me just check my notes here. It's, um, let me see if I can find it. Let's see here. Yeah, it's 125000 for all picks plus whatever you have left over from your draft pool, right? So you got 10 more picks to make, 11, rounds 11 through 20. So that, what is that, $1.25 million plus whatever savings you have? And so you've got to get creative to get guys to go to school. So it's important to kind of understand how it all works. So it can be complicated at times. It can be. But if you don't have the draft pool money, you don't have the draft pool money. So that's important to understand. Now let's look at the current roster and uh, take a look and see what Bulldogs that you know well could be signing a pro contract. All right, the first name you should expect to hear called, and it should happen on day one, is Colton Ledbetter. Most people have him going uh, in the second round. Uh, I guess it's, what, 38, 39 picks in the first round. So he could actually sneak into the back end of the first round as a comp pick. But we do expect him to go on day one. And uh, really proud of Colton Ledbetter. He led Mississippi State in hitting last year with a 320 batting average. He had 12 bombs, 52 ribbies. Uh, also, 17 of 18 in stolen bases. So, as the scouts like to say, he's pretty toolsy. A guy that can hit for average, hit for power, a guy that can run bases. And a guy was a Golden Glove defender at Sanford and, and had some issues at times this year. But by and large, he's a good player for us. Made some big plays. He'll make a good pro. Now, he didn't maybe have the big numbers in the SEC play that we hoped. But I remember a big weekend down in Baton Rouge. We went down there and beat the NAFL champions two games to one in their own ballpark, and Ledbetter was a big part of that. And I remember the tank he hit against uh, Riley Cooper was huge. And I'll tell you, interesting enough, too, and maybe Riley Cooper and Wes Johnson fixed it. But Colton Ledbetter and another Diamond Dog told me that Riley Cooper was tipping the change. And that's one of the reasons we were so successful. We had picked up something on film. Jake Gotro had found something on film. And then we were able to go down there. And so it's one of the reasons we were able to kind of knock him around the yard a little bit. So we always hear about, you know, people out like our coaches are just completely incompetent. But we went out there, and uh, Riley Cooper had an tr- amazing Omaha. He was instrumental in them winning an Apple championship. But we go down there and take two out of three from them in their own ball yard. And uh, because Gotro noticed something on film where he was tipping the change up, and we're able to exploit that. 
just a little bonus aside for you. Now, Dakota Jordan is not draft eligible. There will be some people who will say, oh, I hope you don't lose. He's not draft eligible. He will be next summer, and he'll sign a big contract and probably make millions of dollars, and we're hoping for the best for that for sure. Uh, Kellum Clark hit 299 this year, one of his best years in the uniform. Kellum is going to sign Barnes something unforeseen. I suspect he goes in top ten rounds. Hunter Hines also not draft eligible, and he's having a huge summer up in the Cape. He'll he'll be a guy that, you know, because of the fact defensively he's a little bit average, but he is a sweet swinging left-hander that uh, probably could get the average up a little bit, but the power numbers are there. 22 bombs last year. I expect a really big year from him next year. I, I really, really do, because the league is going to get a lot younger next year, especially on the mound. Amani Larry hit 297 for us, and now the, the draft projections for Amani are all over the place. And Amani caused a little bit of a stir yesterday. There was a, uh, a, a tweet that made the rounds because he was at East Central, and people were like, hey, he's on his way back to Starkville. He was literally on his way back to Starkville, and he stopped in at Decatur and worked out with some of the kids there, put in some work. Doesn't mean he's coming back. There's a possibility he comes back, because I'm told if he gets drafted maybe in the back third of this draft, he may elect to come back. So we'll see. We'll see. Luke Hancock, we'd love to see Luke get drafted. Of course, uh, Luke's a super senior, but he didn't get drafted at all last year, which is one of the reasons he came back. Maybe he signs a UFA deal. The thing with Luke is he needs to be a catcher. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Wish wish the best for Luke. But uh, I could see a situation where he's not drafted. I hope he is. I really, really hope he is. Uh, of course, Slade offered his transfer out. Will Hoyle has graduated. He was a good locker room guy for us and uh, was a walk-on. I would say we got our money out of him. Bryce Chance, not draft eligible. Dave Marchand, not draft eligible. Aaron Downs, uh, I, I think he is draft eligible, but uh, has not done enough at this point to command anything. Uh, Lane Forsythe, of course, has transferred to Oklahoma State. Wish him the best. Connor Hyzak is draft eligible and is having a good summer. He may be a guy to watch late, and then he has to consider, you know, do I want to go back and play, or do I want to take what they're offering me? That's important to understand. What does all that mean? You know, Connor Hyzak, I don't want to sit here and say, oh, yeah, he'll definitely be back, because he put together a couple of really good years at VCU. I mean, he is not an unknown commodity, even though he didn't go out of ABs for us. In many respects, he kind of got, kind of got shorted last year. And so that's probably, if he makes it back, that's your, probably your, your everyday center fielder next year. Ross Highfield, of course, not draft eligible. Nate Chester is, but hadn't done enough. Uh, Von Siebert, of course, is in the portal. Wish Von the best. Von's numbers were down a good bit. He didn't get nearly the opportunities. All right, switching over to pitching. Aaron Nixon, there is a great chance that he's back. We've talked, touched about that on the show a couple times. Aaron Nixon... And all it takes is one team, right? And I'm told that if he gets picked, he's going to sign. I just don't know that he gets picked. He didn't have a great 2022. He was injured much of 2023. And so I think he may be in a situation where he doesn't have a decision to make. I think he has to come back and then perhaps maybe play his way into a position next year. Bradley Lofton, not draft eligible. We went through the same thing with him last year as a high schooler as we're going through with some of these guys today. Uh, Bradley wanted a tremendous amount of money. I think $2 million liquid is what it ended up being. And uh, Bradley is the potential to be a future first-rounder. I love the kid. Uh, now that he's healthy, I expect him to be a big part of our weekends next year. 
Uh, Nate Dome, not draft eligible. Nate's a guy, too, I expect to see him take a jump this year. Get him healthy, let him work with Parker. I think Nate's going to have a big year. I really do. I think Nate's a guy, too. When you think about our back end, you think about if you think about getting Nate and Nixon back, Stone Simmons healthy and back, you know. Nate Williams is coming back. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be ready to go. The fall will be big for him. But uh, Nate is back, so you don't have to worry about him getting uh, drafted. Brock Tapper, not draft eligible. Cade Smith is. The thing with Cade's going to boil down to where does he get picked? Now, I've had some people tell me that they project that he will go in the first 10 rounds. And if that's the case, he's gone. If he ends up going maybe round 16 through 20, you may have a chance to get him back. But Cade is a guy that, listen, Cade didn't have a great year last year. Cade pitched much better in 2022. And we had to ride him longer than we wanted to. But, uh, you know, Cade's a pro. And the reason that Cade's even in school is because of the abbreviated draft in 2020. If we had a 20-round draft in 2020, Cade Smith never suits up Mississippi State. And I love that kid. I do. Love his family. I would love to have him back. But I understand if he gets drafted in those top 10 rounds, we're not going to see him again. We wish him the best. Will Gibbs, not draft eligible. Evan Sierra, not draft eligible. Cole Cheatham, I think, actually is draft eligible. Uh, but obviously hasn't done enough to command. Landon Gartman is draft eligible, but he's also recovering from Tommy John surgery. And I don't know that we ever see him again, to be honest with you. Because it happened so late, I don't think there's, any, there's no chance of him pitching this year. I mean, that's a long rehabilitation. And then you begin to think, you know, what does that do long term? Uh, Gerangelo Sanji, not draft eligible. Colby Holcomb, not draft eligible. And I think Colby's another guy that benefits from – Justin Parker being here. I, I think Holcomb is going to make a big jump next year. I think Lofton, Sanjay, and Holcomb all truly benefit as far as, like, eating up innings and getting us to the back end. Uh, Casey Hunt is draft eligible, and, and some could argue Casey maybe should have signed last year. Uh, drafted by the Mets in the second half of the draft. I suspect that Casey will have another opportunity. You know, Casey is a guy I think could, could play pro ball for a while as a middle reliever. And do we would like would we like him back? I mean, sure, but I don't think I don't think that I, that situation is going to materialize. Tyler Davis draft eligible, but hadn't done enough. You know, Parker Stinnett draft eligible. I don't think that anything happens there. Graham Eintema uh, recently announced his transfer to Mercer. Best of luck to him. That was a questionable evaluation from the get go. Uh, Logan Forsyth not draft eligible. I don't believe Tyson Harden is either. And even if they were, they hadn't done enough yet uh, to, to justify a pick. So. I don't think you're going to have a ton of the current Bulldogs selected. And you say, well, Steve, well, rightfully so. We finished that last, last couple of years. That's not to say that we're devoid of talent. You know, there's some guys, I think, especially on the pitching side, I think you're going to see some of these guys that you're ready to give up on are going to make a jump next year. I think Sierra, who's had a great summer, is going to be a big pitcher for us next year. I think Brock Tapper is a guy that's willing to compete. I think Nate's going to be big time. But we've got to go get in the portal. You know, we have some returning talent that needs to be refined a little bit. And I think Holcomb's a guy that we expect to take a jump next year. Uh, but the reality of it is, is, you know, we're going to go through this, but our greater concern when it comes to the Major League Baseball draft is with our signees. I don't think there's any question about that. That's where we're going to get better. Of course, we got to go in the portal and get some starting pitching. But I think we have some pieces that are intriguing that are returning from last year. 
Anyway, be, you say, hey, well, Cade Smith comes back, and you just trot Cade and Bradley Lofton and Sanjay out there, and you, you feel like you, you've gotten it. I, I don't think you can rely on that, right? I mean, I think you've got to go get a Luke Coleman. You've got to get a Chase Burns. Uh, you got to get a Mason Molina. You know, we've got to get an ace somewhere. You have to get an ace. Can Bradley Lofton be an ace? I think he can, but that's asking an awful lot next year coming off an injury. I think maybe he's a Saturday guy next year. But if you go get Luke Holman, uh, life is a lot better. And if you can manage to get two of these big-time arms, I think all of a sudden you start thinking, you know what, maybe maybe you start playing your way into some hosting opportunities. And you say, Steve, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Well, I mean, let's be honest. The needs we had last year all involved pitching and defense on the left side of the infield. Well, Logan Forsyth has transferred – excuse me, Lane Forsyth is now at Oklahoma State. Slade Alford's now at Georgia. And you expect Dylan Cup, again, an electric defender, to come in this year and play as a freshman. And that's asking a lot, especially at the play. But the defensive side of the game, uh, he'll be able to adjust to the speed of the game. This is a long, rangy, shortstop, future big league type guy. And then you go get Kohler, which kind of brings us full circle on the show. You've addressed the needs you had on the left side of the infield. And we know that offensively we ought to be in pretty good shape. But it's all going to boil down to pitching. You go get a couple of big-time arms with what you've already done in the portal, I think you're going to feel like, you know what, well, this is a much different team next year. And it has to be. We all know this. It's not some big surprise. We understand, you know, what's at stake next year. But we all love Mississippi State baseball. We want the team to do well. Uh, but, again, as I said earlier in the show, what's going to happen over the course of the next couple of weeks? It's going to make a big difference. Two to three weeks. Those decisions made by Chase Burns and Luke Coleman – does Braden Montgomery go in the portal? I'm told he's going to. That's not to say that he can't change his mind, but I'm told over the course of the next few days that he is expected to go in the portal. And the portal closes on July 13th. That's not the last day to make a commitment. Because trust me, you're going to see all these posts out here on social media. I can't believe the portal closed and we didn't go get a picture. Well, you know, it's because they don't have to decide by the 13th. They, have, they can decide all the way up to fall camp. But that's the deadline to basically inform your team. And, and the thing that I'm hearing, too, for those of you that keep up with this stuff, we're hearing that they're going to cut both the portal windows in half. You have the 90-day window that's going to go to 45 days. Then you have the 60-day window that's going to go to 30 days. Because the whole point of it is to allow players to facilitate a transfer, but also, too, to give your coaches an opportunity to kind of know who, what, what and who they have. And when you got to go out there and recruit for 90 days to keep your kids out of the portal and go get others, it, it's, it, you're asking an awful lot. So expect to see the portal windows be cut in half. That was probably the most important thing we did this year is we established these transfer portal windows so you don't have a kid that gets his feelings hurt in practice, go run to compliance and jump in the portal uh, because he got his feelings hurt. So now, you know, now you've got to wait it out. But it's important to kind of understand that even now it's too much. It's too much. Yes, we're going to give you the ability to transfer. Yes, we're going to allow you to be immediately eligible, provided you've never transferred before. But narrowing these windows is a good thing. And, again, there's how many more guys are going to go in right at the deadline? Probably not very many. There'll be a few after the draft, right? Once guys get through with the draft and they say, you know what? I was expecting to get drafted, so now I'm going to go in the portal, right? 
And a lot of guys are already in the portal expecting to get drafted. They're like, you know what, if I don't go in the portal, I've got a chance to go somewhere else and boost my stock. So business is about to pick up with portal commitments, not just with us, but with around the country, once we get through the draft. Because guys are going to be looking for somewhere to play. And Mississippi State obviously has some places to play. But we're basically down to arms now. Again, your third baseman, handled. Backup catcher, handled. You got one arm. And he is a bit of a project. That's a guy, obviously, that uh, Chris Simonis had a connection with. But what's interesting, too, and you look at how the portal went last year. Everybody that we signed from the portal, we had some type of connection to, with the exception of Tyler Davis and Connor Isaac from VCU. Everybody else we had a connection with. Think about that. Landon Gartman was from Mississippi. Amani Larry played at East Central Community College. Colton Ledbetter grew up as Mississippi State is his dream school just two hours away. I mean, you can run it all the way through the list here. You know, everybody that we signed, we had a connection with. And that's like you look at what, again, we mentioned what South Carolina's doing this year. You know, even though Justin Parker was leaving, you know, Monty Lee's out there uh, signing pitchers. And their pitching coach is leaving. Everybody's like, hey, I thought you had to have a pitching coach to get portals. Well, those kids are coming home. And so – Baseball is a little bit different. You know, football, there's so much money out there, and there's some in baseball, not near what we see in basketball and football. But nevertheless, what we're seeing by and large is guys transfer to be closer to home. And that's what makes this Braden Montgomery thing all the more intriguing. He's been out there at Stanford. Now he's transferred, or allegedly going to transfer, and, you know, the talk has been he wants to get closer to home. So when you begin to think about our transfer portal prospects and you begin to think about, okay, well, who's out there? You know, we, we have a connection. Would by and large, most of the guys in some respects that we're chasing. And that helps too. I mean, you know, the, Nate Lamb. You know, this is a guy that uh, his coach has a relationship with Chris Simonis. Otherwise, he wouldn't really been on our radar, right? This is, a, this is using your own network and resources. And I don't know what kind of pitcher Nate Lamb's going to be for Mississippi State. Division two to the SEC is a big jump. But you know what? If a guy can come in here and eat up innings in midweek and maybe give you an inning or two on the weekend, he's worth it. You know, I just don't want to see another guy come out here and walk the ballpark. But as we get ready to move forward here, you know, the focus now, and I, that's where I think it's so significant to get Logan Kohler done, to get Johnny Long done. It's because of the fact now you can focus all of your energy on these pitchers. And, of course, if Montgomery goes in the portal, you, you go get him. But, you know, that's the thing, too. You know, this is a guy that's got a relationship with Hunter Hines and Ross Highfield. You know, yeah, you got to go recruit them, but you've got some guys with pre-existing relationships that can kind of aid in that respect. So we're kind of waiting for that. I've heard it could come as early as Sunday, and I've heard it could come as late as the 13th, the final day. He's playing Team USA Baseball to the 12th. You know, so we'll see how things you know, develop with Braden Montgomery. But it's going to be interesting. Again, you had to get the pitching coach situation resolved. You had to get through the draft, and you got to get through the portal closing window. And so we're now six days away from all those things being behind us. And then you know, we'll have a pretty good idea of what's left. So instead of having to play defense with all of your signees, you're probably down to a couple. And there's some that you're just going to cut bait and say, you know what, they're going to go pro. 
And then, you know, maybe maybe uh, Makai Grant's a guy that um, maybe he gets drafted and you can talk him into staying. But, again, if he goes in top ten, there's no chance of that happening. But I think a lot of it, too, is getting these guys to campus and give your staff a lot of credit. They've gotten all the high school signees to campus now. Now They're here now. They're in their apartments. They're hanging out with each other. They're having a good time now. And the only two guys that aren't are the two guys that we expect to sign. So that's a positive sign. So let's hope for the best. And the next time that we get together, we'll probably be talking about where Colton Ledbetter got picked. We'll be talking about where Colin Hoke got picked. Maybe talking about where uh, Aiden Smith got picked. I like Aiden Smith a lot. I really do. I could see, again, I can see him sneaking into the backside of the second round. And, again, they're saying, you know, people in college baseball and, and in scouting circles saying if he doesn't get drafted on day one, he's going to school. We'll see if that's true. We'll see. I think we're probably going to have to survive day two before we can say, you know what, Aiden Smith's coming. I really think there are some people connected to him that are advocating for him and doing the best they can in hopes of getting him a really nice payday from this draft. And that's exactly their jobs. And they're not working against Mississippi State. They're working for their client. I think it's important to understand that. Even if we don't like it, this is kind of how things are. So I hope today's show has been informative for you. We've covered a lot of ground. We've talked about the cranberries. we talked about these portal guys. What's left? And uh, we didn't talk about any football, but we're going to do that next week. We're going to spend a lot of time next week. We're going to start previewing the Mississippi State football opponents. We're going to talk about the rest of the SEC. And we're going to do basically a chain preview on every show. Uh, And then, of course, by the time we finish that, it'll be time to start picking games. Yeah, think about that for a second, guys. Think about that for a second. It's July 7th. In less than two months, we're going to be in Davis Wade Stadium. I mean, the – Goodness, we'll be getting ready for game number two two months from now. And, again, we've had these elongated summers because our baseball season has ended so prematurely. But uh, portal traffic recruiting has been great. And, uh, listen, again, we make these commitment stories on baseball free, so you don't have to be a Jeans Page subscriber. Uh, But I tell you this, I've been so excited about talking to these young men because sometimes these transfers don't like to talk. I mean, a lot of them are men, right? I mean, they're not – they're not high, you know, wide-eyed high school kids like, oh, well, this kid from 247 wants to interview me. You know, uh, it's different. And there are a lot of guys out there that make a business decision when it comes to transferring for their senior year. So they've kind of done it all. They don't really want to talk about it. Baseball is a little different, though. You know, a lot of these guys, like I remember Colton Ledbetter joked with us last year when uh, he had been here a couple times at the uh, – and I love Colton Ledbetter, man. I really do. I love that guy. I really do. I'm really proud that he shared the path with us for a little while. But I joked with him. He'd had a big hit, and we asked him to come to postgame. I said, how many times did you get to do this at Sanford? Zero, right? This is the big time. And sometimes we overlook that. You know, we are Mississippi State baseball. And a lot of people say, you know what, Steve, I expect everybody to act accordingly. And I do too. But this is the big time. And when you have a chance to talk to a Johnny Long and talk to a Logan Kohler and talk to a Nate Lamb, you get an understanding and appreciation for what a big deal Mississippi State is to them too, that this is, a, you know, this is the pinnacle to come play in a program like Mississippi State. And uh, I think it's, you know, sometimes we've got to throw our weight around. And that's when I think about these, uh, these pitchers. Uh, we got to go remind everybody else that we are Mississippi State. And that means, you know, we can't just keep relying on – uh, G5 pitchers. I mean, I, and, I, and I hate to say that as bluntly as I do, but if we really want to have the year we need to have next year, we got to go out here and get one or two of these big-time arms out there, whether it be Mason Molina, may it, whether it be uh, Holman, 
you know, Holman seems to be the most likely right now. But, you know, you never know what's going to happen when they go take a visit to LSU or Tennessee or Arkansas or whatever. Uh, we live in the jungle out here, right? And it's kill or be killed. But we've got to find a way. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what we have to do. We have got to find a way to find an ace. And if we can find a couple of weekend guys, that all the better. But we absolutely have to get a Friday night guy at a portal, period. Because we don't have that guy. Because the guy that we had on Friday is about to sign a pro contract in Cade Smith, barring something totally unforeseen. But even if Cade came back, how much better would it be you know, to have a Luke Holman on Friday and move Cade to Saturday? I mean, think about Cade, too. You know, Cade Smith's a guy, uh, I don't know, we've ever had him completely healthy the whole time we've had him here. You know, we've had some bad luck with him. And, uh, again, that's a kid that want, he has some dog in him. He's willing to go out there and compete. But this is a guy that's got three years of experience in the SEC. This is a guy that's it's a young man. This isn't a kid. You're not going to find that in the portal with rare exception. You know, so, yeah, getting Cade Smith back would be like going out and, and signing a bona fide SEC starter away from another school. The difference is we already know him. So that would be ideal. I just don't think it's going to happen. But the reality of it is is uh, the next steps in this process towards finalizing your baseball roster are going to be taken here in about the next six days. The next two steps are very important for Mississippi State baseball. And, again, we're going to have full coverage over at jeanspage.com. Come by and check us out. The Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. Look no further. The, if it's newsworthy, it's always going to be with us. Always. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.